0: Hello oh, and welcome to the Second Tier Podcast. I'm Ryan Dilks and I'm joined by the three minutes at a time to my ten minutes at a time.
1: It's Justin Peach. Good day to you, Ryan. Justin, you are right. Yeah, I'm good. I think I've finally caught World Cup fever. I'm now well into it. I think it was Sunday. I was didn't even know when the first game was, um, but I'm actually quite excited now. I'm, I think it's just the amount of football that's on, which is very mm. distracting from real life things like work.
0: I'm the same I after the first game Qatar Ecuador I was like no I'm still not feeling it and then I think the England game really kicked me <laughs> into World Cup fever and I, I don't know about you Justin I've watched every game since then
1: I well I haven't um because I have a, a day job that I do take semi-seriously um because got mortgages to pay and whatnot, but I have I have kept up to date. Like the Saudi Arabia game, for example, was just completely bonkers. Even just the XG split for that game, Blackburn <laughs> fans will be familiar with that sort of um, that sort of outcome. <laughs> An early dig in this episode
0: from the second tier. Um, I I have watched every minute of every game so far. It's the joys of working from home, quite frankly. Um, but I've loved every minute of it. I've loved the Tunisian defender celebrating a tackle in the oh, first yeah, few minutes. That like he scored a goal I enjoyed the Saudi Arabia fans tearing the door off their building and then throwing it into the garden I enjoyed Vincent Kompany saying he wants to sign Ronaldo because he wants to sign players who can run we're only a few days into the World Cup and we've already had some legendary moments
1: if you ask me Justin yeah it's been it's been fantastic um I think even just the the chaos of some of the goalkeepers have brought I mean thankfully no one's been seriously injured but Like the Qatari keeper, for example, just being absolutely bonkers, tackling Mm. every Ecuadorian player he could he possibly could. Um, Yeah, it's it's been it's been it's been good. I've been yeah, it's been not too many moments just yet, but there have been some exciting ones, and I think it's just building up. I think the second round of group games is usually where chaos really takes hold. Yeah, I'm not sure if I can keep up watching four games
0: a day because I checked earlier. We've got four games every day until next Friday. And I think by that time, I will be suffering from football fatigue a bit. I I love football as much as the next man. I love the World Cup tournament, But I may be getting a bit towards the end of uh, how much game intake I can have. So I may have to start having a couple of breaks over the next week or so. But loving it so far. But we're not here to talk about the World Cup, ladies and gentlemen. We're still hanging on to every single bit of championship action that we can do, despite no games happening at the moment. So welcome to the number one championship-specific podcast, the second tier. Thank you for joining us wherever you are. On the show today, we're playing a game of higher or lower Or Scott High or Ryan Low, if if you're familiar with the show. Uh, We're going through the championship sides and deciding whether we think they're more likely to finish higher or lower than where they currently are in the championship table. We're going to do this over two episodes. This is part one, where we go through the bottom half of the table, and then part two will be released on Sunday, where we go through the teams who are currently in the top half of the table. So we'll do that, then finish off this episode with a little game of diddy or didn't he right at the end. But before we get underway, let me tell you, a listener, about our friends at FansBet, the fan-led sports betting company committed to supporting charities and causes which are important to fans. Do check them out by clicking the link in the description of the podcast and claim your 200% sports deposit bonus of up to 200 pounds. Terms and restrictions apply. Full details on site. 18 plus, please do gamble responsibly. Visit BGambleware.org for more info and do also check out Fans Bet Responsible Gambling Tools. So we'll kick off this Scott High or Ryan Lowe edition of the second tier, Justin, with the team rock bottom of the championship, which is Huddersfield. I've got them got them to stay exactly where they
1: are. Yeah, I've got them to stay exactly where they are. Possibly maybe 23rd or 22nd but certainly bottom three contender absolutely but yeah staying where they are no doubt I thought you were going to say 25th Um, (laughs) (laughs) and I wouldn't have blamed you
0: if you did say that Justin I I, I seriously struggle to see anything other than this Huddersfield team finishing rock bottom unfortunately we've spoken about it loads so I don't think we need to go into great depth on this one they've just been really poor they haven't got enough quality We yet to see enough evidence that Mark Fotheringham is good enough to get this team picking up points on a regular basis. The only thing that I could see them potentially saving them is an extremely good January transfer window. But judging off the players who they brought in over the summer, I struggled to see that happening. Therefore, I don't give Huddersfield much chance of staying up. In fact, I don't give them much chance of being anything other than bottom.
1: Yeah, December is going to be a pivotal month for Huddersfield because if they can pick up results and stay in that um, where we're going up to seventeenth here, um, Stoke on twenty five points at the moment, they're six points off Stoke. If they can stay within six points, um, come the end of January going into uh, sorry, come the end of December going into January, then I think Huddersfield have got a fighting chance because then that puts the onus on them having a very good January transfer window. But if they don't have a good December, a lot of games to be played. If they don't have a good um, festive period as it is then there's there's no way they're going to they're going to get out of that bottom 3 and certainly no way they're going to come off the bottom of the table because they have arguably I think in my opinion the worst squad in the league um and there's far too much surgery that needs to be done to it to improve it um and as I say if 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 looks going to be on the side it means well there's just an, a, a, an enormous amount of luck that they need um they don't create enough chances conceding wise they've they've improved a little bit under fotheringham but It's just goal scoring is a massive, massive issue, and that's going to be the key to getting out of the bottom three, and they're not very good at it. How many players do you think they need to sign in January, Justin? Uh, I'd say
0: five or six, which is a lot. I'd say they need at least half a team's worth, at least, and I'd say four of them need to be very good championship players, at least. Because it's a major surgery job they need in January, which is never ideal in the first place, but I just don't see this squad being good enough at its current state to have any chance of staying up, unfortunately. Let's move on to 23rd, where we find Blackpool. Justin, you got them higher or lower? I've got them to stay exactly where they are again. It's slightly boring, but I can't see them improving too much. I've got them to finish higher. Now, I will point out, when we're doing this, when we say higher, there are two different types of higher. There's higher and then there's higher blackpool are definitely <laughs> the former because um, blackpool are in a relegation battle i've got no doubt about that they're one of a handful of teams who i'm very 50 50 50 on whether they stay up i think there are two teams who are worse than them i'm not sure if there's a third they've got a squad good enough to stay up we know that because it's by and large the same team from last season which comfortably stayed up but they've definitely gone a step backwards. Since then, they look weaker at the back. The few new players who have come in have had the odd good game, but not enough. Whether Blackpool stay up or not might depend on what they do with the manager, because the supporters don't seem sold on Michael Appleton, especially after his previous spell at the club. So while I think Blackpool won't finish 23rd, they're without a doubt in great danger of going down.
1: Yeah, it's... it's. Um... It's an interesting one with Blackpool. Just looking at the numbers now, they they concede a lot of chances when it comes to XG. There's a second worst defence in the league when it comes to that in a division. Goal scoring wise, uh, or creating chances, um, they're 16th best in the league, 16th best or eighth worst, however however way you you view it. Um, so there's a there's a clear imbalance there. Um, and I do I have said in the past, even just before the World Cup break, that I think Appleton should given time but if you consider how desperate the situation is the rationale would be to to sack him and bring someone in to, to give Blackpool a fighting chance because I do think Blackpool's squad is good enough to stay up um, there's a lot of quality in that team I mean if you just look at the likes of Shane Lavery Gary Medine, Jerry Yates um, Keshi Anderson when he's back fit uh, even CJ Hamilton has shown, shown glimpses of, of, of some very good form this season there's a good enough attack there to be creating more chances than they are And it's certainly a much better defence to be keeping opposition out. You just look at that Neil Critchley team last season, for example. Um, Yeah, so I I think I agree with you. I think a lot of their chances of staying up, unfortunately, um, it it lies with whether or not they keep hold of Appleton. Um, And as I say, if if they want to have a serious chance of staying up, they will probably try and find somebody else. So you think he should be sacked? Yes and no. I do rate Appleton as a coach, but I did read a very good rationale on social uh, on Twitter about him being a very good lower league coach with a small budget. Perhaps the championship's a step too far, and I, I am sort of coming around to that idea. I do think he's been very unlucky of injuries, especially defensively. And obviously Bowler being sold at the end of um, the summer transfer window as well was not helpful. But at the same time, the squad isn't too dissimilar um, from what we saw last season, and Critcher got a lot more out of them.
0: I'm a lot more optimistic about Blackpool than you are, but I'm not sure whether that involves Michael Appleton at the helm or not. Let's go on to 22nd, Justin, where we have Wigan Athletic. Where you got them?
1: It's a really hard one, Wigan. It's a really, really hard one, but I've got them exactly where they are. Again, my bottom three hasn't changed.
0: I've got them to finish lower, and for any Mass fans out there, you've probably w- realised that Wigan finishing lower than 22nd isn't great for their chances of staying <laughs> up, in my view. I felt a bit optimistic about seeing what Wigan can do the season after the first few games but that optimism has steadily dwindled to the point where there's very little optimism left. Nine losses in 13 games is going to do that to your average championship pundit and now the club is truly in limbo about where it goes next after sacking Liam Richardson. I think it was the right move because they look like they're on a one-way course to League One but they need to get this decision right about who they appoint next and Reports linking Colo Torre with the job, don't encourage me. That's (laughs) nothing against Torre, but it's a big ask for a manager to keep this team up in his very first managerial role. I'm not getting good vibes about how the club is being run either. Reports of wages not being paid on time, concerns about the financial situation and giving managers new contracts just two weeks before sacking them. Not great. So all this is why I currently foresee Huddersfield finishing bottom and Wigan second bottom.
1: Yeah, I think a lot can be said of how a club is run and where they finish in the league. Um, Chaos usually follows, uh, well, yeah, relegation usually follows chaos and unfortunately there are teams in the Championship still that aren't settled enough um, behind the scenes to to convince me that they are being run smoothly enough we're going to one of those um, and you nailed everything you said um, a lot is being done behind the scenes that is just all a bit strange a lot of question marks a um, bit of a cloud over the club at the moment and as you say if you are bringing in someone like Curdo Tori, who is I would say a relatively inexperienced coach although he has been with Brendan Rodgers at Celtic and Leicester um, it is a massive ask as you say to, to to guide a team out of the out of the bottom three um and also this is the first massive decision um the club's new owners have had to make have had to make in terms since they bought the club last year um liam richardson um was already at the club it was an easy decision to to allow him to stay on um so this is the first real testing appointment that, that they're going to make and they're, they're making it in the championship in amongst a relegation battle um it's a lot to ask for, from even in ownership. Yeah, it definitely is. In 21st,
0: Justin, we've got West Brom, who I've got to finish higher. Where have you got them and why?
1: I've got to finish them. Uh, I've got them to finish higher as well. Yeah. It's quite easy. The amount of chances they create is is, is enough for them to <laughs> rise up the table. Um, they've drawn eight games this season, which again is just a, a ridiculous amount of, of games to draw. But you know, they could have easily been turned into wins and they'd be higher up the table wasn't for Steve Bruce, we know that, and that's not really how football works, but the XG will tell you that West Brom do create a lot of chances and don't concede too many either. Um but I think Corbrand's got enough in him to to see this team further at the table. Um obviously they're they are unsettled behind the scenes, which I know what I was saying about Wigan, um, but they have a good enough squad to at least finish above twenty first.
0: Yeah, it's a fairly obvious one to say West Brom will finish higher than where they are in the table, isn't it? I, I, I think they're finally moving in the right direction under Carlos Corbra, and It's more a question as to how far they can move up the table. But I don't think expectations should be too high, despite three wins on the bounce. It's, it's obviously a very hard thing to do, to put it into context. If they had drawn just one of those three games that they won, they'd have spent this World Cup break in the bottom three. So that kind of shows how damaging a situation it was prior to Corbryan coming in so it, it is almost a salvaging operation at this point for West Brom I don't want to rule out the top six because only eight points off with a game in hand it's not the biggest on mountains to overcome considering where they are in the table and there's still a long way to go in the season and we all know they've got a group of players who should be challenging for the playoffs at least anyway but if West Brom finished the season in the top half I'd be happy with that if I was a Baggies fan having said that if they take out a 25 million quid loan for Carlos cobra to spend in January maybe top off is the minimum expectation Justin
1: that would be a bad move um, in, <laughs> in my opinion I mean that might get you two or three players in a January transfer window but um, I don't think this, the West Brom squad needs serious surgery perhaps it needs a, a centre back and, and maybe an additional striker to play back up to um, to to uh, Daryl DK, they've got him. He's not played that often. Um, but Brandon Thomas has shown glimpses of what he's capable of. Um, so I don't think the squad needs too much adding to, especially to, to finish in the top half. I think corbrand has got enough in him and the squad's got enough in them to finish a lot higher. In 20th place is Hall City. Where you got them, Justin? I got them to
0: finish lower. Wow. That's actually... I thought you might pull something out the bag there. Mm. Um, but I've gone them... To finish higher. um, I, You know, I'll take the reins on this one first okay. of all, Justin. It's, it has been a very underwhelming season so far for Hull. One point above the bottom three. Most goals conceded in the league. I like to think we've seen the worst already, though. They've been having a good flirt with relegation, haven't they? They've made these sexy eyes from across the room. Asked relegation what its name is, what they do for work and whether Hull can buy relegation a drink. I think relegation is more interested in other parties, though. I don't think they'll go down. I'm fairly confident about that. I don't think they'll be even in a relegation battle, for that matter. I see Hull steadily becoming more and more consistent, tighter at the back, and then climbing into the midsection table um mid table section of the table um so i I don't think they'll pull up any trees under liam rosinia i think we'll begin to see strides heading in the right direction though as part of the project under adjunta ilijale let's be honest we haven't seen many strides in the right direction so far so i think we take a bit of steady progress at this point and that's what i foresee with hull
1: yeah I, i agree with you completely um And I don't think them finishing lower than 20th is necessarily regression, although I think that sounds a bit strange given the expectations and the calibre of play that was brought into the club over the summer. Um, But I just think there was a lot of players to come in, a hell of a lot of players to throw into a room. And rossini has got to try and refine that. He's got to take players out of that room to see how... um, to see who fits his squad and how and how they fit into how his, his philosophy is going to develop. Um, I still think they need experience at the back, which means they've got to dip into the January transfer market to bring one or two players in to, to, to facilitate that. Um, and I do think they need a, another, another striker because Oscar Stupinan has gone very quiet. I know he's picked up a, a, an injury or two as well, but form has, form has dipped. Creative-wise, um, Hull are very low down. And defensively, um, they're not very good either. And it just—it's just a lot of There's just a lot of work that Rossini needs to do to get them, I think, further up the table. So I think it's going to be a season of um, cold sweats, would be the best way to describe it for all city supporters. But I think they're on the right track under Rossini. As, in, as I say, the squad needs refining in January, possibly the summer as well, before we truly see what this um, team can be capable of under under Liam Rossini. It's interesting. I'll give you that. In nineteenth
0: place, we have Cardiff City. I've got them to finish lower, Justin. Where have you got
1: them, and why? Yeah, a little bit lower. Um, they're a difficult one to uh, to crack again. But I think there's a again a bit like, cool, a lot of refinement needs to be done with their squad. Um, goal scoring wise, it's a it's a major major problem. And if a team's going to rise up the league, they need to be scoring goals. And if they're not scoring goals, they need to be keeping clean sheets. Cardiff don't keep too many clean sheets, and they don't score enough goals. So they're a team at the moment who probably, unless they have a very good January transfer window, aren't going to vastly improve. And when we say, when I say a very good transfer window, they need to bring in a couple of attackers. They need to bring in another creative option and possibly a number nine. And Mark Hudson's got to find a way of getting Ruben Cobble into that team, playing and creating because he's got talent. He's just weirdly not been trusted by Steve Morrison, um, or even Hudson, so far. So I think there's a lot of potential with this Cardiff team. It's just whether it can be tuned right. Uh, and if it is, I think they can rise very highly at the table. But under Hudson and with the squad that they've got now, I can't see them getting any higher or even staying where they are. So it's a lower, you've, a lower you've, suggestion. You've actually surprised
0: me, Justin, because I was expecting you to say Cardiff to go higher. So that's twice in a row now that you've surprised me with this. But Cardiff are amongst the handful of teams who I'm worried about. I think it's a club heading in the wrong direction anyway. That's mainly just down to the way it's being run. The club's got a lot of debt. It hasn't got much money to strengthen the squad and the hierarchy make a lot of decisions which are fairly questionable so my fear is that Cardiff are a club who may very well get relegated in the next couple of seasons if not this season because clubs who are heading in the wrong direction will get punished if they keep going that way for too long but will it happen this season as I say I think there are two teams who will go down but that final spot will come down to a handful of teams and Cardiff are definitely amongst it they're absolutely toothless going forwards it's ridiculous how toothless they yeah. are it is basically just gums at this point no tooth involved at all <laughs> um, the lack of goal scorers in this team is worrying um, you look at Callum Robinson I thought he may be the answer to the lack of goal scorers um, but he needs a good few chances to actually find the back of the net and then even then he's not getting much service anyway you look at the likes of Shea Ojo for example who just hasn't really performed at all as he Callum O'Dowdow had a good start has gone quiet now It's very, very worrying. And the young players who they've got there could do something on the fly every so often, the likes of Colwell, Harris, but they don't seem to be trusted by management for whatever reason. Um, Hence why they're not starting week after week. So I'm far from convinced about Mark Hudson as a manager and his ability to regularly get results. I think they're quite a solid team at the back um, and that may be down to Hudson being a, a former defender but going forwards they just offer absolutely nothing and last season they were saved by a good January transfer window I expect them to be active this January too and it may be enough to save them but there's plenty of concern for me as things stand right now Justin let's take a quick break after that we'll go from positions 18th to 13th in our higher or lower in the championship table Welcome back to the second tier podcast. We're going through each team in the championship table and deciding whether we think they'll finish higher or lower come the end of the season than where they are now in the championship table. So we're now up to 18th in the table where we find Bristol City, infamously Justin Peters' dark horse at the beginning of the season. Justin, you got them higher or lower? I'm convinced they're going to finish higher. I have got them higher as well. Now, Bristol City fans might be a bit surprised to hear me having them to go higher, but this is more of a higher than higher. So, uh, Justin, why have you got them to finish higher?
1: They're more of a a higher with me. Um, Of course they are. Of course they are. Justin Peach (laughs) sticking to his guns that Bristol City will still do something this season. Look, uh, my, my rationale here is... Antoine Simonio has had a slow start to the season. Picked up a shin injury in pre-season. I think he's just been getting back to form and fitness. And I think the World Cup break is going to do him some good because obviously he's away with Ghana. So it's a chance for him to hit his peak at the right time in the season. Then you've got Andy Vyman, who, again, has been used as a versatile player. um, And he hasn't really hit hit, hit his form yet either, I don't think. And then you've got Tommy Conway, who's done well. Naki Wells has done well in spells. So attacking-wise, I think they're going to get a lot better. Um, they have to. They're, 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 they're too good to not be scoring goals consistently. It's just defensively that is the main issue. And I do think, and this, and I, I hate saying managers should be sacked or should should step aside for for somebody else, but I think Nigel Pearson has taken this Bristol City team as far as he can go. So in my opinion, if they can bring in someone who can unlock... That balance with this Bristol City side, and that's all it is for me with Bristol City. It's just fine tuning it. It's just making it more balanced and more rounded. Then they will rock it up the table. I really do think it's a very simple thing for Bristol City. Game management has been has been an issue, ongoing issue. They they're still up there in terms of dropping points from leading positions. That's something that's been chronic under Nigel Pearson, and unfortunately, I don't think it's going to change until the manager changes hate saying it because I like Pearson I do think he's a good manager but I think he's taken Bristol City in a very good direction with a transition it's just the right time to change hands and I think the next manager who comes in will have Bristol City in around the playoffs
0: I am glad that you finally come around to my way of thinking that (laughs) for Bristol City to progress as a football club Nigel Pearson it's time for him to go but I don't see that happening unfortunately for Bristol City um the reason I've got Bristol City high is because I made my decisions on higher or lower based off a league table I made. And what I found was there are at least six or seven teams worse than Bristol City. So I'm not getting too excited. They've just kind of been bumped up the table by other teams not being as good as them. So I, I do have concerns, as the usual, about consistency, dropping leads and the ever leaky defence. And I, to disagree with you, Justin, I wonder if they ...could struggle to score as many goals in the second half of the season. Naki Wells has scored more goals than anyone expected so far... ...but I'm not sure if that will continue considering his form has been patchy... ...ever since joining Bristol City... Tommy Conway's had an incredible start, but has now only got two in 14 and he's a young lad. I don't think expectations should be too high for him anyway. Andy Vyman's not matched the levels of last season. Not too surprising, considering last season was the first time he got more than 10 goals, I think I'm right in saying. Um, And then Antoine Semenyo's underwhelmed, but he could be better. Um, So that might be a problem, but goals haven't ever been too much of a problem under Nigel Pearson, to be fair to him. It's just the usual stuff with Bristol City that I'm a bit worried about, but I don't think they're in particular danger of going down, despite them being rather low in the table. Um, next up is 17th and it's Stoke City,
1: Justin. I've got them higher. Where have you got them and why? I've got them exactly to finish where they are now. Um, I, If I could um, describe Stoke, I would just describe Stoke as a headache. They're a headache to everyone associated with Stoke. They're a headache to us and pundits Um, And that's not me um, being critical of Stoke City as a football club. Um, And I'm sure many people could agree with me. That's just me, my my rationale being they're just a team who just frustrate constantly. Whether you're trying to predict them, whether you're trying to support them uh, and get behind them, they're a team that frustrates constantly. I imagine Alex Neal's got a headache just managing them. Um, The reason why I've got them to finish 17th is because I can't see them generating any consistency this season at all. I don't think they'll be I think they'll win enough games to stay away from a relegation fight, but I don't think they'll win enough games to rise higher, higher than lower mid table. It's going to be another underwhelming season. Um the the patterns are all there. They've got uh, an incredibly uh, underwhelming strike force when it comes to shot conversion or goal conversion. It is horrendous. Um not one of their strikers is performing creatively They don't have enough I don't think behind them to create more chances for them to at least prop up that uh, um, goal conversion. So, yeah, they're just a bit of a nightmare. I think Harry Suter coming in will, will improve things, but that's just resting everything on one man, which I don't think is entirely logical for a football team. That is entirely illogical.
0: My thinking is with Stoke is this squad is too good to be as poor as it was mm. in the first half of the season because it's got quality sprinkled all over the pitch. Harry Suter's back in the defence alongside Ben Wilmot. Um, Ty- Josh Tymon sorry. Um, is back from injury as well. Uh, Lewis Baker, a quality midfielder as is Nick Powell. And then they've got Tarius Campbell, Liam Delap, Dwight Gale who have all underperformed up front so far. Those guys are have been very good strikers in the past. Well, not Dallab, because he's still a young lad, but we're expected more from him. And as far as those strikers I've mentioned are concerned, I don't think they can be any worse than they have been in the first half of the season. So yes, they're a bit thin in certain areas, but this team is better than 17th in the table. They've also got a manager who's better than 17th in the table. He's had a very rocky start, has Alex Neil? I don't really know what style he's trying to go with. I don't think he knows what his best team is, but he's done a good job at every club he's been at. And I think he will get them going eventually in the right direction. I'm not expecting massive things from Stoke this season, but I think they'll finish higher than 17th. Because I just think they're simply a better team than that, Justin. Justin, you're grimacing.
1: Yeah, I don't think they are, though. That team's finished 14th in the last two seasons. It's better than 17th. It's, it's better than 70 if you, you're absolutely spot on. But you were on about regression earlier with, um, with Cardiff City. And I don't think Stoke are in that category and by any means. But they're certainly on that um, that spectrum of um, downward spiral. would be the best way to describe it. Um, maybe not a, a spiral, but certainly trending downwards. Um, they're a club that need reshaping from top to bottom. The squad needs gutting. Um, I think Alex Neal needs 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 to literally start from zero. If I was completely radical, I'd sell everybody, release everybody, and start again and build a squad from scratch. It's not realistic, but I think that is the only cure for this Stoke City team under a new manager.
0: It's drastic, very drastic. I think yeah. you're being I think you're being a bit dramatic when you're thinking of um, th- they have got some good players there, just in the likes of Time and Suter, Baker, Powell. You know, that's the that's the basics of a very, very good championship side, isn't it? It's just other players underperforming
1: who really shouldn't be underperforming, isn't it? Yeah, but it's been the same it's been the same story for the last two or three years now. Um and unfortunately I think it's it's caught up with Stoke, it's caught up with our expectations of Stoke. They are now a lower mid table team. They they could well be the Derby County or Nottingham Forest of the championship. Just Dwelling around, not doing anything, just kicking cans in the championship until they start to see change. And that's my that's my best way I can describe Stoke City at the moment. Interesting.
0: Let's go to 16th, where we have Rotherham United. I feel like this may be one where we disagree, Justin. I've got them lower. I've got them lower as well. I think it's more a case of how low we've got them into. Oh, okay. um, <laughs> I thought you may surprise me no. and put them higher, but there we go. Um, it's been a great start for Rotherham. But I've always thought they will be in a relegation battle because they're Rotherham. I don't want to sound patronising, but they are a small club at this level and it's always going to be difficult for them to be anything in anything other than a relegation battle in their first season back in the Championship. They've had a few games this season where I've been impressed with them. I'm thinking back to the games against Norwich, Burnley. Uh, they've also had a few games where they've been comfortably outplayed and I expect we'll see more of those games as the season goes on I think goals will become a big problem we thought that might be the case at the beginning of the season however it's not actually been too bad but they've got the lowest expected goals from open play in the division and the forwards they've got aren't the most clinical players in the world so that I think will become a big concern I was surprised to see they've also got the lowest expected goals against from open play as well so Mm conceding plenty of chances as well plenty of good chances as well so that doesn't bode well for Rotherham in the long term because the XG does kind of cast a um, a troubled future if you're not doing very well in a the expected goals table they could definitely stay up though because Matt Taylor's a promising young manager they've got some good players I like as well such as Dan Barlasser in midfield Victor Johansson in goal they're amongst that handful of teams who I imagine will be fighting to avoid the drop, and
1: I can't really call
0: out of those handful of teams which ones will actually go down.
1: Yeah, I, I'm in agreement with you on on some aspects. I think the data doesn't doesn't paint a a promising picture, but I do agree that they will they will drop off at some point um, as as Matt Taylor starts to take hold of this team as his own. We've seen small elements of Taylor. But it's mostly been what Warren has built. Taylor said himself that he's not tried to change too much too soon. And I think that's absolutely acceptable. Um and I think that's why it leads into a more promising future for Rotherham. Because if if Taylor can can get results, pretty much playing Paul Warn's way in some in some aspects, then I can certainly see them improving as he starts to evolve the team. But that's not without hiccups um during that transition. As you quite rightly say, goals will be a problem, um, but I don't think it will be enough of a problem for them to to be sucked right into a relegation fight. I think they'll hover above the relegation zone, and I think Rotherham and Vans will take that. Um, they're a squad that needs to build, they're a team that needs to build. They've got a young ethos now with a lot of very good young players um, developing at the club with a young progressive manager who will, I think, slowly improve them. That's the key. That's the key word there. Key phrase. there is is slowly improve them. Um, so I think I can see that the reason why I can see them dropping down is is because of that. I can't see them being relegated they or even being in a uh, a uh, dog fight. Yeah, dog fight. I'm trying to avoid using dog fight, but I'm not. I don't think you're going to be chewing the ends of your fingers off, rather, and fans um, come the end of the season. I think it'll be a little bit more comfortable than that. Hmm, I'm not sure. I agree. Let's go to
0: 15th, where we have Sunderland. Where you got them, Justin? got them to finish pretty much where they are now. Interesting. I've got Mm. them to finish higher. Um, Now, the fact that Sunderland, a newly promoted side who have suffered long-term injuries to their first-choice strikers, sit 15th in the table, is really quite impressive. Yes, Sunderland aren't your average newly promoted side, but I think the point still remains. I was saying last week, who knows how high they could be right now if Ross Stewart hadn't have got injured. And that's one of the reasons why I think... They'll finish strongly. The fact they've still somewhat managed to get results without him shows to me that they have got the basis of a very good side here. And it will only get better when Stuart comes back into, t- into the team, which looks as if it should be after this World Cup break. So I think it's setting up to be an exciting second half of the season for Sunderland. It's a young team. They play lovely football. We've seen that with some of the goals they've scored this season and just by generally watching them. turner Mowbray's is a good manager they'll hopefully have their top goal scorer back for the remainder of the season as well, fingers crossed. So they're only four points off the top six. So I don't think that's totally out of the question. They'll fancy their chances of nicking a playoff place, I'm sure. But they've got every chance of securing a top-half finish, which would be a superb first season back for me,
1: Justin. Completely agree on some points. Um, I, I think the fact that Ross Stewart's coming back is a major But I think we've got to acknowledge acknowledge that this is the youngest squad in the league. Um, It's the youngest squad in the league, average age-wise. So therefore, my opinion is that they are going to go through the motions still. They are going to be inconsistent at times you the, know the, If you look at the, the chances created, they sit around 14th, chances conceded sit around um, 15th uh, as well in in a division, which which tells me they're not going to go through too much um, improvement or regression as the season progresses. I still think being finishing 15th is, is also a very good season. I think Sunderland finishing above 18th, 19th is a very good season because you've got to acknowledge the fact that it is the youngest squad in the league. They are coming up from League One and that has um, problems of their own. They're Building up things behind the scenes as well, so there's a lot of transition going on at the club. Um, but they're a team for me that are, are, are only going to really improve um, in a in a summer period where the the ownership are going to add to the squad without spending too much money. Because um, I can't see them adding too many players in January. Um, I mean, they've shown that already by not by choosing not to bring in a striker while the Sims and Ross Stewart have been injured. So, yeah, I think they're a team that will will improve, but also. Perhaps not get the results they need to, to to jump up the table. So yeah, for me, they're, they're not going to move too much. I think Sunderland fans will be definitely satisfied
0: with this building this season being a building block kind of season towards them going on mm-hmm. to greater things in the long term. But I think I think in the second half of the season it will be an exciting period for Sunderland in terms of seeing how far this team can go at the first time of asking. By the way, speaking of Sunderland, did you know they're playing Millwall next weekend? It's the only only championship game that's taking place because the rest of the teams get back underway the week after. I saw this game a few weeks ago, but I assume the website I was looking at had got it (laughs) wrong, but obviously not. So I don't know why that's happening, but it certainly put a bit of a spanner in our plans for how we record shows during this World Cup break. Let's go on to 14th, Justin. I think this is another fairly easy one into its middlesbrough. I've got them higher, Justin. I don't think it's that easy, but I've got them higher. Interesting. Why don't you
1: think it's that easy? I think it's quite um well, I think it's quite easy to get carried away with the new manager bounce with the recency bias of Carrick's results. Things have drastically improved under Carrick, no doubt about that. Um but that that could be down to a variety of factors such as the new manager bounce. Um that being said, they are playing a much more balanced style of play that I think will improve as the season goes on but I don't think they're going to rocket up the league by any means um, I think finishing in and around the playoffs is perhaps where they're going to end up sort of between 7th and 11th maybe um, just because I think there's a, a lot of work that needed to be done by Carrick in the short term and there's still a lot of work that needs to be done with the squad in January um, there are certain holes there you know, for example a uh, you know, goal scoring number 9 um, although ACPOM is, is proving to be the goal threat they needed but he's playing just off the striker. Um, so there's still room for improvement there. Um, so I think they're a team that are showing signs of improvement, but I just don't want to get carried away with with, with a new manager coming in. I think that's the main logic for me. they are only a few points off the playoffs, Justin. Yeah, but as the season progresses, they, you know, these things start to... Uh, well, the points gap starts to increase. Um, teams go through rough patches, and I think we're still yet to see... Middlesbrough bounced back from that under Michael Carrick. Um, you yeah, know, has he really had any questions asked of him just yet? Not necessarily. Um, I think he's uh, ridden the crest of a wave. I think that'd be the phrase.
0: Well, Middlesbrough had a shocking start. We all know that, but they're another side who are well on track for an exciting second half of the season. Michael Carrick has got this team functioning. We knew it was capable of that. The squad is a top six side. We all know that. But I've been so impressed with how they've been playing since Carrick's come in. They've lost that first game against Preston, but since then have been excellent. And that form has seen them fly up the table. They're on the relegations. They're on the edge of the relegation zone three or four games ago. Now they're 14th, four points off the top six, such as the condensed nature of the championship table this season. And right now, if you ask me, I think they're all finishing the playoffs. The squads, wow. clearly good enough. And they've been excellent since Carrick has come in. Um, tube rackpom has been playing out of his skin as this kind of number 10, hasn't he? And then you've got the likes of young Hayden Hackney who's come in and despite being a young lad, has taken to the championship like a duck to water. I think the back four has really suited the likes of Fry and Lenehan, who look a lot more comfortable playing in that. Uh, Ryan Giles has been excellent again. Um, there's a lot of positives with this Middlesbrough team since Karik has come in. And I haven't really got much negatives. The only negative that really sticks out in my mind is the striker situation. Because as you quite rightly say, none of their strikers seem to be in form. If you're not counting Tuba Rackpom in that mould. Because he's playing as more of a number 10. So that would be a concern for me. But it wouldn't surprise me if any of them suddenly kicked on at some point this season. Or whether they strengthened in January. So that hasn't... Whatever the case with the striker position, that hasn't stopped them being brilliant in the last few games. So I'm feeling very optimistic under uh, Michael Carrick's Borough. And I I think they've got a great, great chance of finishing in the top six. Because as I said, they're only a few points off, uh, which is pretty remarkable considering where they were not too long ago. Uh, Final team just in in this episode is Birmingham City, who we have 13th in the table. Uh, I've got them to finish lower. Well,
1: about you? I've got them to finish uh, as they are now. Um, I felt quite harsh not putting them higher. To be honest, um, I think it. I think the reason why I haven't, and perhaps why they will finish pretty much thirteenth, or up to potentially even lower, it's just a squad depth. It's just a squad depth. A major issue for me um, under under John Eustace. I think he's done absolutely brilliantly. But if you take Bielik out of that midfield. It becomes very disjointed. We've seen it in a couple of games recently. Even if you take Hannibal out of the midfield as well, it becomes very disjointed. Um, Longolo's been fantastic at left wing back, but if you take him out of the team, who have they got coming in? Playetta, uh He might be going back to Norwich in January. So, uh, squad depth is just—it's just the issue. I think it's an easy one. It's just—it's just purely down squad depth.
0: And that's why, why. Why does that mean you think they'll finish in the same place then? Because that sounds like you're feeling quite negative about them, Justin.
1: <laughs> Because I'd expect them to address the squad depth to some extent in January. Um, I, know it, I know I know, I've put a bit of a negative spin on it, but they've managed to sustain their form in this first period of the season with the squad that they've got. I think, I mean, if, if BD gets recalled by Derby, for example, in, in January, it, it, it can be a major problem. I just can't see it happening. So it's a chance of those things happening. Um, but as I say, I do think... Um, there will be two or three players that come that come in in January um, because they, they, they need it. And that's why I think John Eustace could sustain a mid-table finish um, with the current squad he's got. I think things could improve if they, they bring him in, but I wouldn't be surprised to see them drop off just a little bit.
0: Yeah, they've completely outdone expectations this season, haven't they? And I think when you keep the pre-season expectations in mind, then you've got to kind of... Uh, Take that into account when you think about where Birmingham will finish come the end of the season, because many were expecting a relegation battle, but they've actually been solid. I would say, while I think some teams are in mid-table right now, they could end up fighting to stay up. I don't think Birmingham are one of them. I've seen enough of them to convince me that this is a strong enough side. I believe, though, that they're kind of at their ceiling right now, because I think there are simply teams who are better ...than them who will push Birmingham down the table because that midfield, fantastic. It wouldn't take much for an injury to happen though because Christian Bielig hasn't completed a full season in a long time, if mm. ever, for that matter. So that would be a concern for me. But outside of that midfield as well, I think the team's definitely weak in places. That defence, Austin trustee, fantastic. John Sanderson, good player. Still got question marks about Harley Dean. Um, And then the striker situation, Scott Hogan's been on fire this season. I'm not sure if he'll be able to carry that on for another six months of the season, though. So I think another issue that could see them drop a few places is injuries and just general fatigue. Because, as you say, it's not the biggest of squads out there, is it? So I would be surprised if Birmingham finished 13th this season. Um, But I don't see them... Having a complete and utter collapse because John Eustace has proven that he's a very, very capable manager at this level, Antti. No news from us in this episode. We're only doing those on Sundays during this World Cup break. And therefore, that means it's now time for this. Did he? Yes, sir.
1: You mind telling me why the hell you never mentioned this before?
0: Yes, it's time for Diddy or Didn'ty. This is the part of the show where we have 10 players with various connections to the Championship and a club. All we've got to do is guess whether they played for that club or not and he's got to have made a senior appearance for them. We're taking turns to guess them and we keep the score as the season goes on. This week it's my turn to provide the players and Justin's turn to answer. The score, as things stand, are 58-57 to myself so Justin Peach are you ready for the first player
1: yeah it's been pissing it down all morning the sun has just come out I'm feeling good as a result of that that might change I'm looking forward to pissing on your day
0: then Uh, your first player is Alex Bruce and Wigan did he or didn't he
1: I was on his uh, wiki not too long ago Uh, I think last week actually so I, I think he had a spell at Wigan yeah Eight appearances over two spells. Firstly on loan and
0: then permanently. So you're absolutely correct. One out of one for Justin Peach. Next up, Liam Bridcut and Watford. Did he or didn't he?
1: Yeah, that's a tricky one. I feel like Chelsea sent a lot of loan players to Watford over the years. So I think purely on that logic, I'd say yes. But I can't recall much of his career before he was at Brighton. So I'll say yes. You're correct. Six appearances on
0: loan in two hours and eight. I did not know he was at Chelsea. That completely took me aback when I found out that he was at the Chelsea Academy. So uh, we learn something new every day. So two out of two for JP. Next up is Nathan Baker and Millwall. Did he or didn't he?
1: Nathan Baker's just retired, hasn't he? Hmm. Um. No, I don't think he was at Millwall. What's him retiring got to do with anything? I couldn't remember who it was. I couldn't remember who Nathan Baker was. I had um, I had a goalkeeper in my head, and I was like, Nathan Baker, Nathan Baker. You're thinking it's Nathan Baxter. Nathan Baxter, yeah? Yeah.
0: <laughs> Nathan Baker made six appearances on loan what? in 2011 for Millwall. Therefore, it's two out of three for Justin Peach. Next up, Tom Lawrence, and Rotherham United. Did he or didn't he?
1: I think he did. Again, I was on his Wikipedia last week while preparing for the old. D-H-D-H. Um, You're revising is what you've been saying. <laughs> I've been paying attention. Uh, yeah, I think he did pay for them.
0: Six appearances on loan in 2014. Completely passed me by. He's actually had a few loan spells um, prior to... Uh, the only time he really popped onto my radar was when he was at Ipswich. But before yeah, was, that... It was hey, quite a few clubs, but we won't divulge him. No, case. we haven't got time for that. Um, so four out of, uh, uh, No, that's not right. Three out of four for Justin Peach. Next up, K- Paul Koncheski and Doncaster. Did he or didn't
1: he? <laughs> oh. See, Doncaster are one of those clubs that signed everybody uh, through the infamous agent thing. But that happened before Paul Koncheski, uh, before his career started to dip. Um, so I'm going to say no. He didn't pay for Doncaster.
0: You're right, I made it up. He didn't oh, play for on. Doncaster. Four out of five. Doncaster are one of those clubs that you just throw mm-hmm. in there because you don't know who's actually been through the doors there. Um George Savile and Southampton.
1: Did he or didn't he? That's an interesting one. Another another Chelsea Lone Army uh graduate. Um Southampton were down in League One at one point, weren't they? Everyone forget. So Uh, I'm going to go with my gut and say no.
0: You're correct. Also made it up. I thought you were going to say yes then. I thought (laughs) I got your hotline and singer on that one. So that's quite disappointing. Uh, So it's five out of six for Justin Peach. Matt Upson and Nottingham Forest. Did he or didn't he?
1: I cannot recall Matt Upson ever playing for Nottingham Forest. He had a pretty good career up until... I don't know, 2013, and he was at Brighton and somewhere else, completely random Leicester. But I don't think it was at Forest. One appearance on loan in the year 2000. What?
0: Yeah, early on in his career. I think that's the first time, because you're a Derby fan, I think that's the first time I've ever pulled up a Nottingham Forest one uh, because I feel like you're quite familiar with them. So I've always tried to miss them out. So uh, five out of seven for Justin. Eighth one is Shola Amiobi and Crystal Palace, did he or didn't he?
1: No. You sound very convinced, Justin. Yeah, I'm just thinking that Tony Pulis was there and he signed a lot of lumps, and Shola Amiobi falls into that category. <laughs> but I'm going to say no. Four appearances oh. in 2015. Oh, that was the Pulis era, wasn't
0: it? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Oh. Yeah, That one comp- completely passed him by. I think it m- was after he left Newcastle. He was a free yeah, agent, just da- dancing around the place. Five out of eight, Adam Forshaw and Everton. Did he or didn't he? He
1: came through at Everton, but I thought we were going to agree not to, uh, not to account these. So I'm going to say yes, he may have made one appearance for Everton. Began his
0: career there. Made one appearance in 2011. I didn't know he played for Everton.
1: Oh, okay. Right. I thought you were being a right slimy little snake. No. I just assumed you would have had no
0: idea he was at Everton uh, because that completely passed me by. Six out of nine for Justin. And your final one is that night and Reading. Did he or didn't he?
1: I'm... I... I... That's a difficult one. Hmm. Good player that night. Yeah, he was. He played for England, didn't he? Weirdly. Yeah. He had some cats for England. Solid um, Premier
0: League player for nearly 10 yeah.
1: years. Yeah. I just can't remember him playing for Reading. I, I just feel like a, there's a player who made the transition from Fulham to Reading. That's Liam Resenia. I don't think that night ever played for Reading.
0: I didn't know Liam Vazzini ever played for Reading. Yeah. <laughs> uh, two appearances in 2015. That means Justin Peach finishes off this episode with a grand score of six out of 10. That's and that's week. not a great score for Justin Peach. That's a bad week. Mm, that is not a great score at all. We always say seven is about par on Diddy or Dinty, six is a big old bogey.
1: It's. it's- the one I'm most frustrated about is the Amirobi one and Palace I should have I should have made more of that it just seemed too obvious that Pulis would sign someone who was over six foot three it just was too obvious but But to be
0: fair I cannot recall anyone else he played for apart from Bolton because I I right now after Newcastle (laughs) (laughs) you've said (laughs) that now instead of next week There we go, ladies and gentlemen. So that means the scores are 63 58 to Justin Peach, but a five point gap is not very big at all here in Diddy or Didn't He. This has been part one of a two-parter here on the second tier where we go through all the championship clubs and decide whether we think they're going to finish higher or lower than where they currently are in the championship table so uh, we've gone through the bottom half of the table in this episode on Sunday we'll go through the top half of the championship table and decide whether we think they'll finish higher or lower so we look forward to seeing you then but this has been the second tier podcast we'll be back again on Sunday I've been Ryan Dilks I've been Justin Peach and a big thank you for listening